actually, when they leave my office, sometimes or often, it includes things they've already tried, but with a plan and a purpose and an understanding of when to use what, what to expect. Some medications are better for acute flares. Other medications work much better preventatively. And having an understanding of all of those components can make all the difference in the world Mm -hmm. in your medications actually helping you. Are you experiencing acute flares? Listen to episode 49 and hear Dr. Jeff and Dr. Choi talk allergies, asthma, sinuses, and hear what she has to say about acute flare-ups. From the in-office studios of his eye care practices in Nashville, Tennessee, it's As I See It with Dr. Jeff Kegaris, your source for eye care education and receiving the type of patient relationship you deserve. It is time for a patient revolution. And now, your host, Dr. Jeff Kegaris. Back to As I See It, and I think this week I'm going to call this episode, Will I Get It? Because that's a frequently asked question <laughs> that I get from uh, usually adults or you know somebody that has a parent that has a certain eye problem or sees a grandparent with an eye problem, and we're going to touch on a few of those as to what the ramifications are. Uh, so, so, Dr. Jeff, if, I, if my mother, mm-hmm. she's 65, if she has cataracts, I'm 40. Yep. Am I going to get cataracts? Hey, it's a great question. And I'm going to answer that in just a second. But I will, well, you know what? I'll answer that right now. But I will, I want to emphasize one point. In any eye health and vision exam, we are looking for far more than what you ask us about. I want you to know at Cool Springs and Donaldson Most Eye Care. people don't know that. No, I don't think they do. And right. I just, but, but it's important, I think, for we as eye doctors to mention that. Uh, and so this is a good a good vehicle for us to to say that in every eye health and vision exam, and this is on every child from the age of infancy to more than a hundred years old, we are looking for eye health issues, lots of them, but in particular, the ones that you think about, does this person have any or a risk and what level of risk for macular degeneration, for cataracts, for glaucoma, do they have diabetes and do they have a risk of diabetic eye disease? In kids in particular, myopia progression, which is due to a long eye, what we call axial length issues. We are looking at that every single time you have an eye exam, even if you came in just to say, hey, I just want to update my contact lenses. Not uncommon. We have about 5% of people that have a freckle in the back of the eye that we're watching and monitoring that every year. There's no way you would know that otherwise. We diagnose that the first time. We monitor that on a yearly basis like we do any freckle to make sure it doesn't grow, turn black, start to bleed, or have any relationship to any metastases or tumor that needs to be treated, sure. if you will. So let's get back to your question on cataracts. That's a good one. Okay. So People I've heard, say, I've heard, I don't say that yeah. you've said it, but I'll just, for, yeah. for, I'll say you said it. So I've heard you say everyone gets cataracts. It's correct. Okay. So my mom in this example, hopefully she doesn't and hopefully will not, but let's just say that she has what um, most people I think would view as the cataract, which is this glossed over thing on the eye, right? Right. Am I going to get that as her son? Yeah, it's a great question. So here's the thing. Let's understand the anatomy of the eye inside the eye and right behind the pupil. Uh, You see that pupil is a black hole. But if I stuck a pin through that, oh, I know, don't shudder. But if I did, I would hit right behind the pupil is the lens in the eye. And the lens in the eye starts off optically transparent, like any good lens in your camera would be, okay? Okay. Um, All through life, and this starts from the time we're born, 
when it's so clear we can't hardly even see it, to as we go through our elementary years, our middle school, our high school, our college, and then as we're maturing as an adult, that lens is picking up proteins, sugars, impurities, ultraviolet light. It starts to have some changes, and it gradually, gradually gets a little more translucent, like smoke shower glass, okay? Mm, yep. Now, here's where the difference is. The theoretical definition of a lens that has any change, you know, this is what we learn in optometry and ophthalmology, any change is a cataract. Mm. But what we use clinically is when you start to have enough of a translucency or smoke shower glass appearance or change in color, change in just maybe even a little bit of opaque area such that it could pose a problem for you functionally with your vision. Then we start to clinically say, hey, you've got an early cataract. That doesn't mean, so if I'm kind of like the guy at the fair, the fool, the guesser, you know, you Mm -hmm. get up there and I go, if all you showed me was a lens in somebody's eye, your lens right now, Cole, at 40 looks different than your lens did at age 20. So if I put you in a room and I looked at your lens and I looked at somebody who was 20 and I didn't know the difference, I could say this person is older. They're probably about this age just by looking at the lens in the eye. Okay. Now, sometimes it progresses in some families at a faster rate. Not uncommon for us to see patients that are in their 30s that have a special type of cataract that seems to be a little bit more genetic, let's say. And so their family just happens to get them at a little earlier rate. Usually, we're talking 60s and 70s on average when the lens changes enough from translucency to getting a little bit more opaque and it starts to affect our vision up close, our vision driving at night, or our vision overall. Uh, that's when we definitely say, hey, you've got enough of a cataract now. We need to fix it by not by doing more than just changing the glasses because we can't change the glasses anymore. Right. We knew it would improve your vision. That's when we do cataract surgery. So I think if you look at the lenses, not so much, or cataracts, not so much as a toggle switch. You either don't have them or you do have them. It's more like a rheostat with a toggle switch. The rheostat starts from transparent to gradually getting, we turn it up to a little more translucency, to gradually getting a little more opaque, and then click, there's a time where you go, hey, you need to have this removed so that we can improve your vision or so you can function better, etc. That's when we clinically say, you've got enough of a cataract, we need to do surgery with our surgeon. Got it. Frequently asked question, glaucoma. Mm. Glaucoma is a big one. Yeah, it is. It is. And it's the fourth leading cause of blindness in the United States. So it's not, you know, cataracts, again, answering your question, everybody gets cataracts. Not everybody gets glaucoma. If we look at the averages, one half percent of people at age 40 will have glaucoma. One half of a percent. One half of a percent. So you right now, just statistically without knowing anything more about you, Cole, you've got a 99.5% chance of not having true glaucoma right now. When you're 85, 15% of people have glaucoma. Mm, okay. So you got an 85% chance of not having it, but 15% chance of having it. So you can tell just by those facts that age increases our risk. So you can tell, obviously, from your annual eye exam, uh, going from my 99.5% not going to have it to our 85-year-old patient, you have been able to see, say, 20 years into that say the person's 60, right? Mm-hmm. So, but they started when they were 40, they were nine, they were me, right? Mm-hmm. right? I came in when I was 60, you, you saw the progression. And so I'm guessing you were able, because they had an annual exam to say, right. 
this person is progressing to glaucoma. That's right. Okay. That's right. So, and, and again, much like a rheostat, you start, everybody that's born has a chance of getting glaucoma. Did, okay? did I get it from my family? Yeah. It's, it's a genetic predisposition. Are my kids going to get it because I have it? You know, if you have, here's the thing. We, we, let's qualify it into two areas. One, true glaucoma. Okay. Okay. Um, if you have true glaucoma and the earlier you get it, then certainly your children are at higher risk to sure. get that. Okay. Sure. There seems to be something genetic, a little bit more on the mom's side than the dad's side okay. that puts us at higher risk. If you have a parent that has glaucoma at any age, you're at a higher risk. All right. That's kind of one of those check marks that we say one other risk factor. Sure. Um, typically early 30, 40 years ago, we might not have discovered glaucoma till a much later point. And so mm-hmm. some people didn't live long enough to get have their glaucoma. So I think you will tend to see that over the last 20 to 30 years, we've had an increasing percentage or prevalence of glaucoma in the population because we're much better at diagnosing it at an earlier point now. So that's one true glaucoma. The second, which is much more common, and I would say nine out of 10 patients that we diagnose have that have some sort of a risk, like let's say you've got a risk factor, you are a glaucoma suspect. And all that means is that you have a, you know, on this rheostat from zero, absolutely no risk to let's say at seven, you get glaucoma because eight becomes, I've got it mild, or eight becomes, I've got it moderate, nine becomes, I've got it severe, and 10 is total blindness. Okay, so we kind of look at that rheostat. Um, You know, you glaucoma suspects may be in the three to four range, there are certain factors that we watch that put them at a higher risk of developing or converting to having glaucoma. So of the patients, let's say in our database, um, we have a much, much higher level of people that are glaucoma suspects, and we need to watch their structure and their function with some extra tests on a regular basis because we never know who's going to convert, Right. but we can catch it before you're going to lose vision. That's the goal. Okay, so visual again on um, on myopia, we talked about um, and we, we talked about nearsightedness. We've discussed that mm-hmm. on glaucoma, uh, Dr. Jeff. Well, we gla- talked about nearsightedness in a different episode, not today, but okay. They, but but because people are such loyal listeners, they, they remember know. they know exactly everything what I'm we talked about. about the last so time. So the so glaucoma for the visual glaucoma is uh, when my outer edge is uh, blurry and uh, I'm losing vision there, or the center. That's a great point. Glaucoma will ultimately, if left unchecked, make you go totally blind. But the early changes in glaucoma are in your peripheral vision. Okay, not completely peripheral like oh can i see my ear but kind of in the range of about 15 to 20 degrees out from this from here so kind of what we would almost term the mid periphery kind of a is ring things start in is it blurry or it's loss well it, it depends because you will either have blur where we have to turn up the image light to see it better or ultimately you can completely lose it imagine that we have about a million wires controlling all of our vision in the visible field mm-hmm. So there's a, an individual wire, I call it, a neuron or a nerve that's responsible for, say, one point that you're pointing at, okay? If I lose enough little individual wires, I'll lose a spot of vision. Mm-hmm. Maybe I bruise it, and maybe by lowering your eye pressure or protecting your nerve, I can kind of keep that pretty healthy. 
and it does, and we don't lose it. Okay. But for the most part, once we do lose it, once that nerve is gone, we can't regrow it in the same place and you got a blind spot. So we try to catch glaucoma when you're trending towards that before you really get a blind spot. Okay. So that makes sense to me. So this is going to segue into our next one, which I really have a question about. So Mm -hmm. next one's going to be macular degeneration. Right. Okay. Macular degeneration is where the center goes away. That's correct. That's correct. So in glaucoma, uh, as you mentioned, it's more of a mid peripheral loss first, eventually we'll get to the central vision and African-Americans have a five to six times higher rate or incidence of glaucoma. So there's a, a definite ethnicity relationship there. Okay. okay so, so to your point of checking the boxes or looking yeah, at the that's markers, another these risk are one factor of the automatic, things that you're looking at. Right. Okay, got it. Now, conversely, macular degeneration is much more of a Caucasian problem, okay. much more got for it. fairly complexioned people, less so in African-Americans. All right. So let's draw I'm gonna, I'm gonna need a yeah. T-chart for a second. Mm-hmm. So you said at 40 years old, I'm 99.5% not going to get glaucoma. By the time I'm 85, I have a 15% chance of getting glaucoma. Those are the population statistics. That's High right. level numbers. Mm-hmm. What are the comparison numbers for macular degeneration? Boy, that's a tough one to say. Okay. I, I'm I, What I would say, because, and, and the reason for that is um, we definitely see the number one risk when you're over 60 the number one risk of losing vision and not getting it back is macular degeneration. Far greater than glaucoma. Uh, Cataracts, remember, we can do surgery and give you your vision back. So that's not a permanent loss. If you lose vision from macular degeneration, typically you don't get it back, although we have some tremendous treatments now to stabilize it. All right. But um, that's, that's the big worry there. And so it definitely increases with age, which is why we typically call it age-related macular degeneration. So what is something at 40, again, I'm stuck on this, but what is yeah. something at 40, Dr. Jeff, that might be an indicator that you, are sh- that you would share with me as the patient at 40, where it's not, Cole, you have, you have age-related right. macular degeneration, but for you as a trained optometrist that says, it, it is clearly pointing in that direction. Yeah, I, w- I would say a couple of things. For, for you at age 40, it would be, do you have a family history of this? And if you have a family history, it was in both sides, mom and dad. We definitely know there are genetic factors that lead to macular degeneration. Okay. And okay. so we can test your genes, not just with 23andMe, but we can, which checks two of those genes, but we can check a whole slew of those genes to see what your likely inheritance is and, and your risk factors. Okay. 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 Number two, how's your diet? You know, um, are you overweight and are you morbidly overweight? I mean, all of those things, obesity or a higher BMI uh, correlates with a breakdown of the health of the macula, usually due to cardiovascular factors, hypertension, cholesterol, et cetera. That's a very good point. We, uh, I'm, as you um, give me all the credit all the time, mm-hmm. uh, am from Mississippi, but uh, both uh, Mississippi and our great state of Tennessee here really go neck and neck every year with first and second place of the most overweight population right. in the country. And to your point, if that's a indicator of having, having a higher likelihood of getting uh, uh, macular degeneration or anything, mm-hmm. right, is something that you should absolutely know and, and be aware of. Yeah. The other thing is if you sit outside or work outside, and you don't protect your eyes because you're exposed to much more ultraviolet light. Oh, yeah, sure. So genetics, ultraviolet light, BMI, and then the one that is actually surprising to people, but there is more of a risk of smoking causing macular degeneration than there is of smoking causing lung cancer. So smoking really, really puts... It's kind o- of a wow, Dr. Jeff. It, like is, that's a- it is. It puts oxidative stress on the macula. 
And so the longer you put that stress of poorer oxygen flow transport to the macula, the higher risk of you developing macular degeneration. Now, you might not develop it right when you're smoking, but you're starting to create problems. And the longer you smoke, the more you smoke, you create those issues. Certainly, the, the biggest risk is somebody that smokes all their life and smokes three packs a day. But somebody that goes, well, I used to smoke three packs a day, but now I'm down to one pack a day, but I'm continuing to smoke is still having oxidative stress. And that people smoking like that, factor. I'm guessing, think or, or pretty much assume that their end game is going to be cancer. And I won't say not never. blindness. Not blindness is exactly right. right. Wow. And it's a tragic thing. As I see it, we'll be right back. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Jeff Kegaris with Cool Springs and Donaldson Eye Care. We've proudly served the Middle Tennessee community for the last 26 years, and I want you to know we really appreciate you. Having an annual comprehensive eye health and vision exam is so important to the health of your eyes. From signs of diabetes, glaucoma, and cataracts, we're looking for it all. Don't let another day go by. Schedule your annual eye health and vision exam at Cool Springs or Donaldson Eye Care. And now, back to As I See It. Again, so we tell people, if you smoke, let us help you to try to quit. Easy thing to say, I know, and a difficult thing to do. But that's a very, very important thing for your health, but also for your vision. All right, side question real quick. Um, in this example, although not true, although not true, I, um, I smoke, and I smoke in the house with my kids. Mm-hmm. They don't smoke. Is that secondhand smoke putting stress on their eyes? Uh, it, it is if it's on a chronic, regular basis, yes. Okay. We don't, okay. I, I don't know that I can stratify that risk. I'd have to look sure. at an academician or somebody that really sure. studies that to say what type of risk. But That's we know that secondhand smoke is a risk factor. Wow. So, yeah. So Caucasian, check mark, risk factor. Okay. Doesn't right. mean you can't get it if you're African-American. Degeneration. But for macular degeneration, Caucasian, much, much higher risk. And we think in more fairly complexion people – blue-eyed, Swedish, Northern European background, you know, things like Scandinavian, if you will. And one of those reasons I firmly believe is that we check the, what we call a macular pigment optical density, which is a protective layer we all are given. We basically inherit this. And in some people, it's thicker. Hmm. And what that does is this pigment in the, in the inner middle layer of the retina uh, basically absorbs more ultraviolet light. So there's less of that type of heat and damage to the macula. If you have a very thin layer, you don't have a lot of protection. So it really hits the macula. Mm -hmm. And we think there's a strong correlation. So that's one of the tests that we always will check is for free, what were you given? Because uh, that can be definitely improved. That's one of those environmental things that can be improved by, uh, you know, wear good sunglasses, protect from ultraviolet light. Oh, you have a low macular pigment density that you were genetically given? great, we can supplement and improve that, make that thicker, which is a protective factor. So if we measured that, you get back to this, I'm 40 years old, what do you look at? Well, I'm going to look at your macula, make sure it's structurally healthy. I'm going to look at your family history. If you have night vision complaints, I might do a test called a dark adaptation, which checks specifically how the macular cells, the rods and the cones, respond to light and recover from light. There's a normal range and what it should be, it's a very easy test. And we can, we can see how you respond. If that's a normal test, which it should be. Respond to fantastic. light at night? Exactly. Well, okay. in particular, if we flash a light, what happens is now we've bleached out some of the, the biochemical response or the photochemical response in the, in the cells. How quickly do they regenerate and, and make you see again? Because when people are seeing 
difficulty with that when it takes longer to regenerate because of those cells that's actually an early sign of macular degeneration mm. and it happens before we see any structural change okay so i'm going to be asking you listen do you wear good sunglasses outside do you do you smoke uh if you smoke how much uh, how long etc um you know, are you in front of the computer a lot? Because we want right. to block high energy light from the computer. Although between the two, I tell my patients, for me, far more important that you're wearing sunglasses outside than blocking just the blue light on the computer. There are other reasons that we want to block blue light and high energy light out of the computer. But if you really look at macular degeneration risk, it's much more in 15 minutes of prolonged sun exposure yeah. than probably eight hours of blue light in front of the computer. Yeah, it's interesting because we were talking about this a couple of weeks ago and definitely of all people don't hold me to the stat, but uh, we were talking about sunglasses and there was a, uh, to your point, a specific number that said, and again, don't hold me to this, but an hour or two outside was equivalent to like eight to 10 hours in front of the screen. Right, and right. so many people are like, get your blue blockers for your screen. And yeah. that's very important. Yeah. But to go outside without sunglasses, you're, you're, you're checking the wrong box first. That's right. And you know, one of the things that I think people forget too, and that we try to emphasize is that sunglasses not only protect the inner surface of the eye, in particular the macula and the retina, but they are a great aid in minimizing, especially larger sunglass frames, minimizing the chance of basal cell carcinoma, which can happen around the eyes. The most common place for that is right under the eyes and near the nose. And so the more you wear sunglasses outside, you really are blocking that. Wait now, all right. So you said a lot of medical words that yeah, our listeners have no clue. But uh, when you touched on, so yeah. when I uh, need to catch up on sleep, yep. um, and I look down and I have quote unquote bags under my eyes, right. you're telling me if I wear sunglasses. When you said the long medical term, yeah, yeah, you, basal you, cell, you yeah. Po- yeah, the basal cell. You pointed to quote unquote the bags under your eyes, right? That area. You're saying if I wear sunglasses large enough, it protects that. Yeah, it's actually because it's it's just like the ultimate sunscreen. I mean, you're completely blocking the ultraviolet rays when you're outside. So frame with sunglass protection. The sunglass protection protects against ultraviolet light both in the eye but also from outside. But the frame also is blocking sun from getting to a very very vulnerable point of the of the face which is right under the eyes and particularly a little bit more on the nose side mm. and that's and and when i said basal cell carcinoma it's like whoa my gosh skin cancer yeah, right the yeah. most common type of skin cancer and if you're out there and you've ever had a mohs procedure you probably have had a basal cell type of of cancer um, that's where sunglasses are are very very helpful and protective much like if you wear a hat you know, you just want yeah. to block the sun all together. You can, put, you can lather on the sunscreen, but blocking it all together is even better. Right. So um, the next one I have here is, um, and again, I'll stick with these exa- uh, made-up examples. So my mom has severe and has for a long time dry eyes. Mm. I know that she consistently goes to the eye doctor. She has eye drops. She's always coming in and out of issues with her eyes running. This it's, It seems to be, when I look back, and again, I'm making this up, but mm-hmm. I think I'm painting a narrative that a percentage of our listeners are going to go, that's my family member. Right. My eyes have always watered. Her eyes are always red. She's always scratching at them. They're, they feel gritty. They feel, they feel like they've got stuff in them. That's what we hear from a lot of our dry eye yeah. patients, right? She's my mother. I'm 40. Am I going to get dry eyes? That's a great question. So let me kind of, <laughs> let's see, how to answer that simply. You have a bigger risk of following in that family uh, tendency, okay. if you will. 
Okay. But the, the more important question for us as eye doctors is why is that? Okay. Because dry eyes due to so many or ocular surface disease, we'll call that. Okay. okay. We call it dry eye, but sometimes just like you mentioned, people go, but my eyes are watering all the time. Yeah. Well, you've got an ocular surface disorder. We're out of balance somehow. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. And the number one cause for a wet eye is inflammation on the surface. And we treat that as a dry eye. Okay. okay. So, uh, but anyway, so, you know, if we have that, especially in women, you're thinking about rheumatologic problems. You're thinking about hormonal issues. You're thinking about a lot of systemic issues that may be an underlying cause that have relations and secondarily cause some dry eyes. If we're thinking about Caucasians, all right, in particular, and we had mentioned this with macular degeneration as Scandinavians at higher risk for macular degeneration because they're fairly complexioned. Well, if you're Northern European, kind of in that area, Scandinavian also, and particularly Irish, Scottish, uh, Welsh. We've got uh, a little more red hair type of of lineage. We have more likely a condition called rosacea. And rosacea of the skin is related directly with rosacea of the eyelids, which blocks the oil glands, makes you secrete a more acidic-like tear and causes that chronic redness, kind of the rolled margin around the eyes and the gritty, scratchy, my eyes just burn. And so what it does is rosacea breaks down the oil glands and some of them atrophy altogether so they're not producing fluid to keep your eyes moist. And so... Yeah, if you've got that history and your fa- if your family member is both, you know, Caucasian and from that area had rosacea and you've got a little rosacea, you got both a family history but you also have a specific reason that you we need to watch your oil glands and and try to make sure they stay healthy uh, to minimize you having dry eye. So again, it gets back to do I have a higher risk? Well, let's see what's the ultimate reason for the dry eyes. Okay. So you're listening to As I See It. Today's episode is Will I Get It? Frequently Asked Questions with Dr. Jeff. We've talked about glaucoma. We've talked about age-related macular degeneration. We know happens specifically after the age of 60. Macular degeneration more prominent in um, uh, uh, Caucasians, whereas glaucoma uh, um, uh, is more of an indicator of African-Americans and of Asian descent as far as uh, more likely to get. Uh, Dry eyes we talked about. And so the last one I have here, and and this is a big one. We've talked about it multiple times in other episodes. You can go to YouTube and search Cool Springs Eye Care, and you will see a a, uh, video that Dr. Jacobs, our clinic director, has done on quote-unquote myopia control. But let's talk about in the last couple of minutes here, Dr. Jeff, myopia. What does it mean? Why do I care? And if my mom had it, am I going to get it? And if I have it, am I going to give it to my kids? Yeah. And and let me expand it just a little bit to what we would call refractive or prescription errors. Okay. Okay. Um, Myopia being the biggest one, nearsightedness, right? It's due to a long eye. So the disease. I can see up close. You can see up close. You can't see far away as well. That's the symptom of having a longer eye. And maybe that eye is longer than it should be. And so we Uh, If you have, if you look at your glasses or your contact lens prescription and the first number has a minus sign, okay, it's what we're giving you as a correction. And if that number is five or above, you definitely have a 50% chance at minimum of passing on that likely gene or that likely inheritance pattern to one of your children. So if you have two kids, one of those is more likely to be highly nearsighted like you. Now, if you aren't that way, Ah, you can take a breath, right? Well, to some degree, you may not be passing on a gene, but we are seeing what we've talked in other episodes, one third of children are nearsighted with 
42% in the general population, and the number is increasing. And a lot of that's due to a whole lot of factors. Need to listen to the other podcast for sure. us going into that. So even if you're just a parent, you have a new child and they're born, they have a one in three chance of being nearsighted, whether you are or not, but about a 50% chance if you are more highly nearsighted. Mm. So um, if you have a parent that is nearsighted and you are into your elementary, middle, teen years, that's when we're really going to see, are you going to become nearsighted? It's less common Cole, for somebody who's, let's say, 24 years old, hasn't had any prescription, to all of a sudden become nearsighted. Sure. It can happen. But the things that come to my mind are really intense, prolonged computer work, accountants, attorneys, physicians that are just pouring over academics, okay? Mm. Number two, diabetes, which increases sugar levels. If that's undiagnosed, that will increase your chance of having nearsightedness. Sure. Later in age, we do see a trend towards more nearsightedness when you start to develop cataracts. But those are separate issues from, am I going to get it because my parents had it or my grandparents had it? Right. So to your point, um, all of uh, the eye diseases or, um, or markers of eye diseases that we've discussed there is a likelihood mm-hmm. if, um, aside from cataracts, right. there's a, there's a likelihood of connectivity, right? That's correct. There's also in, it looks like a majority of the situations outside of myopia, which seems like it's, it's got a much larger uh, likelihood. As you were sitting there saying, if you're a negative five, you have a larger chance. I'm, mm-hmm. We also know that in the next 30 years, by 2050, 50%, one in every two people you see in the world, in the world, aside from having a parent that had right. it or not, what we know is the general number is going to be 50% of the population in the next 30 years will um, have myopia. And what, nearsightedness is not normal. It's not supposed to be that way. Right. right? And to your point, and we did mention this in another episode, so please check that out. Uh, but to your point, the, uh, the studies and watching the progression of uh, the eye getting longer happened before the iPhone. So we all, I think, quickly want to go, is because we're looking at our devices. I don't right. think it's probably helping anything, yeah. uh, but it wasn't the root cause of, of, of um, this elongation, if you will. So uh, uh, you're listening to As I See It. We're talking about will I get it? The good news is most of the things you will not, mm-hmm. but you definitely want to make sure that you're having your annual eye health and wellness exam. And, you know, most importantly, I'll say, um, as importantly, I'll say is making sure that you have an understanding of your, um, you, you joke and said 23 and me, it's, it's, people want to know, I'll paint a broad brush here. Most want to know where you came from, where your roots are from. Do you know if your grandmother had age related macular degeneration, that this might be things that are going to help you, um, um, uh, live a, a, a great life as far as vision, uh, as compared to knowing if you're from the other side of the planet. Yeah. We are living longer. We want to be independent, and vision is the biggest predictor of maintaining our independence. So some of the things that we recommend and we do now and we monitor are are maybe not going to pay off today or tomorrow, but we're trying to extend your useful visual life for as long as we can. I always kid patients and say, look, if I can keep you from getting XYZ or if I can treat this so that you don't lose vision until age 120, Right. I'm going to feel like I did my job. And of course they chuckle and go, Oh yeah, that'd be fine. I said, I'm going to leave it up to you after that. But that's really what we're trying to do because that extra, even an extra five to seven years, right. When you're going to live to be in your nineties, there's a difference between enjoying that time of your life when you got other things and you're pretty independent and you know, want to do what you want to do, right. right? Get off my lawn. That's right. Uh, right. right. (laughs) If you can 
see the people on your lawn, if you can see your loved ones, if you can read, if you can watch TV, if you can go to movies to answer it, right. You can drive, you can, all those type of things. Um, you know, it's easy to say, well, I'm not having any problem now, but your good eye doctor are trying to protect you, not just for what's there now, but what's potentially going to be an issue in the future and trying to prevent that or protect you from having those things happen. So that's what we stress here at Cool Springs and Donaldson Eye Care, as you know it, Cole. And what's so awesome is these are actually frequently asked questions. You hear this on a they very regular yeah. basis uh, from all of our patients. You're listening to As I See It. If you have not hit the subscribe button, please take a couple of seconds and hit it. Literally hitting subscribe allows us to reach more listeners and offer more patients more value and help us to improve the patient experience, which is really the goal of this podcast. Uh, we want to make sure to uh, thank our listeners, our podcast is growing we're reaching a lot of people if you have not checked us out on youtube please go there subscribe to our channel we've got some great videos there that go into more of myopia control that go into age-related macular degeneration and other topics uh, there Uh, again hit subscribe if you're a spotify person we're on spotify i'm very excited about that and uh, as always please leave us a comment Uh, dr jeff reads those every single week aside from when he's eating cheese Mm -hmm. from mississippi state university I was thinking Wisconsin. Definitely not. Thanks for listening.